Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the AcmeCast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Seven decades ago, the first television adaptation of Superman arrived. Now, it's time to rock it back to the 1952-1958 series Adventures of Superman, starring George Reeves. In this rewatch podcast, my guests and I break down each episode, from its black-and-white crime drama beginnings to the kid-friendly color seasons, as we celebrate one of the most underrated Man of Steel depictions of all time. Welcome to another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss Season 1, Episode 21, The Human Bomb, is the host of Always Hold On to Smallville, return guest, Zach Moore. Welcome back. Anthony, is this some sort of publicity stunt? Because if it is, I'm going to leave. <laughs> You're going to go fishing and catch a big one? <laughs> it's a caught a big one. <laughs> this was a fun, wild episode. Lots to talk about. Real quick, I think I have a sense because we were chatting off mic, but you were here for our first episode. And in that episode, you were mm -hmm. like, I'm going to try to keep up and rewatch along with you guys. Have you rewatched any or is this the first one since we did Superman on Earth? Now, to be to be fair, I have gotten to the second disc of the season one set. I was I was really feeling it because we had we had recorded, obviously, before the show came out. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a head start on this. Then I'll have watched them and then I can listen back. And uh, no, I'm not caught up. I, I and and I, I am pretty caught up on the podcast though because I think I've, I I think like we all have these podcasts where we listen to something where they're talking about something that you haven't seen or haven't seen recently isn't fresh on your mind. Uh, and for now, that's what this podcast is for me. So no, I am not up to speed. But I did watch this episode, Anthony. Well, I'm glad for that. No, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> but no, I totally get what you're saying. Honestly, when I listen to your show, I'm not rewatching Smallville. But I, I mean, mm -hmm. my God, if there's any show that <laughs> I don't, don't need you to don't need to rewatch, yes. <laughs> not that I remember every beat, but as you guys are talking about stuff, it it immediately clicks back in. So yeah, uh, so I, I totally get that. Well, but disc two though, that's solid. But I'm happy to have you here for this one. We wanted to have you back on, and I, I think I suggested this one in particular because I know it's fun, and I know we'll have a good time talking about it. Just to give a quick rundown, Season 1, Episode 21, we're nearing the end here. It, this was February 6, 1953, written by Richard Fielding, directed by Lee Sholem. Here's my synopsis. A notorious gambler, bet-a-million butler, wagers that he can control Superman for a half hour, strapped with dynamite. He handcuffs himself to Lois on the ledge of the Daily Planet building in order to force Superman to stand down while a robbery is being committed. And that's the human bomb. So that that is 
when you were on the first time, we talked about sort of your history with the show, your experience with Adventures of Superman. So, I mean, let's just dive into this one. What were your overall impressions of, of this episode? You know, when you had kind of given me a, a, a short list of like, hey, here's some maybe options coming up. Maybe you want to do this one. And, and this one stuck out to me because I do, I do recall it from watching it when I, when I bought the DVDs uh, back in the day when I was going through those DVDs. Uh, it, it just, I, I remember it. Maybe, I don't, maybe it's unique. I don't know. Uh, I did feel like it had a, a different vibe to it than what you think of your standard Adventures of Superman episode. Uh, just even the, the, the fact that it starts for five minutes, literally the first five minutes of the episode is just these two guys talking two characters of the week, <laughs> you know, the, not a main cast member in sight, just talking about, hey, what if you had the powers of Superman? Hey, what if you could control Superman? And there's, there's no music. There's no rising stakes. I don't even know if there's any cuts. I feel like it's just a one <laughs> one solid take of these two guys sitting in two chairs. And so that, that immediately that started me off like, oh, well, this is a little different. Yes, yeah, I agree. The pacing is interesting because you have this very long opening scene. And then from there, not unlike the last episode we talked about, The Riddle of the Chinese Jade, where I likened it to an episode of 24. I felt like I was in Jack Bauer mode. This episode, even more so, felt like that, where you really had this real-time aspect. And they really kept up the tension throughout. But yes, we definitely have, and just like the last episode, kind of a, a, a slower opening. And then... You know, once they hit the ground running, they really don't let up. And I agree about the lack of music. I noted that specifically in one of the later scenes when Butler goes to the Daily Planet and he reveals the dynamite. You would expect some sort of like dun 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 music, and there's nothing. Do you like that? Do you feel like it gives it kind of a, a weird feel, or or does it is it off putting in some way? The lack of music. You know, I I, I love soundtracks, movie scores, right? Television scores, like any mu- music accompaniment to anything uh, but sometimes it's not only is the music great it's about when not using when to not use music it's not just the music you pick it's it's when you pick not to use music is what i'm trying to say and that can be very effective sometimes uh, i don't think this is one of those cases i think they just didn't have any they didn't have any music i'm trying to and obviously you you're up to speed on the show you've been watching every episode is there a lot of incidental music or is it just, is it usually just silence and then da 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 like they just play the Superman theme? Like, is there a lot of incidental music in other episodes? You know, it's funny. I, I probably should know this, but as I was watching this and as you're asking the question, I'm like, you know what? Now I'm wondering, I feel like, I don't think there's a ton, but I feel like there's something. I don't know. I feel like this might be somewhat of an outlier, but at the same time, yeah, it's not like music throughout the episodes. So mm-hmm. uh, again, I think this might be a little bit, a little bit of an extreme, but I don't know. I'd actually now have to kind of <laughs> go back <laughs> and pay closer but, but, attention you know, to the, that. I, I'm just trying to think of episodes like the one they go to that, like Lois's hometown. It's all like abandoned or something. Like, I feel like there's like, was probably spooky music to set the tone. I would assume I couldn't tell you, but it just it is odd, and especially to me, and, and not to jump too far ahead, but like when Jimmy's out there fighting the guy, there's, there's like there's not only is there no music, there's no sound or anything. It's like very strange. Like you when when you think the the thing should be escalating, you expect you know, like you said, that dynamite reveal, guy on a roof, right? You you expect some sort of escalation in music. I don't know, maybe that is just because I'm not a student of 1950s television, other than what I've watch it naked night in my youth right uh maybe the twilight zone no actually you know i say that 
the Twilight Zone of this same era, a few years later, though. Incredible music. Bernard Herrmann, people know him from Alfred Hitchcock movies, composed a lot of score. Like, that's a show that used music very effectively. So I know that was a few years later, but it wasn't like some unheard of thing to have to have music playing in your television shows. So, so yes, it was, um, it was just, it, it set a strange tone in addition to the strange pacing. There's a one, two punch there. Yes. I'll be generous and say it, it lent itself to, to maybe uh, an eerie feel to it. Right. As, mm. as he's revealing himself to Lois, it, it, again, it definitely, maybe it would have been too on the nose had we had that music to da, punctuate da, da. it. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to, whether, I, I suspect it might've just been born out of necessity, a lack of, <laughs> a lack of, yeah. you know, pieces to work with, but I'm going to say maybe it was a choice and they were trying to, uh, you know, help contribute to the tone of the episode. We'll, we'll go with we'll that. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. I'll say overall, this is for me, a standout of season one, a very fun episode, but with some really, really big leaps in logic that require more of a suspension of disbelief than it than they probably should but while you might expect that to sort of undercut my enjoyment of the episode for whatever reason it just lends more to the charm for me and i just i just come away with a with a pretty positive feeling of this episode even though there are things that just big picture butler's plan and we'll go scene by scene and all of that but like i laid out in the synopsis this idea that he wants to control superman and he's going to strap dynamite to his chest, handcuff himself to Lois and take them out on the ledge of the Daily Planet building to force Superman to let this crime happen. I don't know if you're a Modern Family uh, fan, but there's a, a classic uh, scene or line in one of the early episodes where the Dunphy family is out in the woods and the car starts rolling backwards and Phil, the husband and father, he jumps on the roof of the car as it's rolling backwards and Claire has the great line, what's the plan, Phil? And that's kind of like what I feel like with this guy. <laughs> he has a line at one point where I think maybe one of them says, like, he'll go to jail for this. And he's like, probably. It's like, probably. <laughs> yeah. I guess what uh, abduction um, for one uh, attempted murder dynamite. <laughs> he's got good lawyers, though. He's he's million dollar baby better guy, whatever his name is. So he's he'll get off with a slap on the wrist, probably. Yeah, I suppose. And then, of course, there's the Jimmy of it all, which we'll get into, which is oh, wild, wild. Yeah. But you know what I think the biggest suspension of disbelief was for me, and I think you'll appreciate this. Mm-hmm. In what world does the editor-in-chief of a major metropolitan newspaper not know the difference between imply and infer? Because <laughs> Perry says it twice in that scene with Jimmy. Are you inferring? Are you inferring Clark can do something I can't? Are you inferring Superman can do something I can't? Not inferring it. <laughs> You're inferring it. Jimmy's implying it. Oh, it drove me nuts. Ah, <laughs> good call. That 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 got over my head. So the uh, the 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 legal writing uh, teacher in me got uh, <laughs> there. It is. Got, got up in arms <laughs> over that. <laughs> I mix up words all the time, so I would have made that mistake myself. Fair enough. I guess we'll let it slide. Had it been anyone else, I don't think it would have it would have bumped me as much. But coming from Perry, I, I, guess I expect well, a little more. Not not this Lois, but you know Lois Lane in some versions is notoriously a terrible speller. So we're 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 supposed to believe that the best journalist in the world can't spell. How many F's in catastrophic? Come on. Anyway, very true. Uh, shall we do a little guest star rundown real quick? Oh yes, yes. So. 
these are not the most prominent guest stars, but I want to start here because I was fascinated by this and it actually ties back to our discussion of Superman on Earth. So in Superman on Earth, right, our pilot, we have the the young uh, receptionist right out front. And I, I can't remember offhand if she was specifically named as Miss Backrack, but later on in Night of Terror in particular, we have uh, an, an older woman playing yeah. playing the receptionist and she is specifically named as Miss Backrack. I, the one I, that Clark's like, where is Lois? <laughs> yes. And that, the older Miss Backrack, she's in this episode for a fleeting moment in the background in the scene where Butler goes to the planet and he's talking to the young receptionist and he's asking oh. for Lois. At the end of the scene, she just walks by for a second in the background, but she is there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wait, why not just make her the receptionist again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but here's another fun bit of trivia here. So, Aline, if I'm saying that right, Aline Town is the young receptionist in this episode. And she's not the same young receptionist from the pilot, but she was in Superman on Earth as Laura. What? Oh, man, look at that. (laughs) And she'll be back uh, very early on in season two uh, as Peg Grayson in one of the early episodes. Uh, it's the, it's the episode where there's a, there's the, this guy who's being honored as like man of the year, but then his past comes back to haunt him and she plays the wife. Uh, so, so three different episodes, three different roles. Uh, but yeah, so she was Laura in Superman on earth and she's back here just for a moment as the receptionist. And then we have the older version of his back rack walking in the background for a second. Fascinated by this. What a, what a convergence of the multiverse there. So (laughs) listen, you talk multiverse, that's inviting a whole other discussion (laughs) that that's for another podcast. Yes. You know what? I gotta say, Anthony, you know, I haven't seen I haven't seen George Reeves since I was in the movie theater a couple weeks ago seeing The Flash. That's the last time I saw George Reeves Superman before I sat down to watch this episode. You know, we haven't addressed that yet on this podcast, just in terms of recording schedule. I would be curious, audience, for those of you who saw The Flash, just curious what your reactions were um, to to what, what Zach is, is referring to here. Maybe we'll we'll circle back to that in another discussion at some point. Yes. But for now, we have our, our Miss Backrack variants, maybe, or our Lara let's variants. Stay on, let's stay on that one, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fun little bit of trivia, though, because I don't think I said this on an episode. And I think it's okay for me to say on the episode because the gentleman who shared this information, uh, he'll actually be a guest on an upcoming episode. His name is Lou. Uh, but he posted this on on Facebook in a comment, so I think it's, it's fair game. So... Uh, Elmira Sessions, she's the older Miss Backrack. She's the one who was pretty prominent in Night of Terror, the one Clark is like, where's, where's the, where's the yeah. slip of paper with the hotel name? <laughs> apparently, according to Lou, who's really researched the show and George Reeves, apparently George was not too keen on her. And after that, I guess that episode, he was like, don't bring her back. Wow, that's funny. That, and maybe that came through the performance. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, that's amazing. The, well, that's the thing, because that stood out so much, just how irate he gets. And then yes. kind of knowing that does color it a little differently. And it's like, oh, it's <laughs> a little real life. In that out of your system there, George. So, <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, interesting bit of business with the receptionist. Uh, as far as our more prominent guest stars, we have Trevor Bardet as Bet a Million Butler, a uh, big character actor. He was, he's played the heavy in a lot of stuff. He has a lo- lengthy IMDb profile. And he'll actually be back as Julius Caesar in one of the color episodes later on. Julius Caesar. Yeah. The color years yeah. were different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you think Smallville transformed in seasons 8, 9, and 10. <laughs> <laughs> Got nothing on this. 
Uh, we have Marshall Reed as Inspector Hill. We got to talk a little bit more about him. I, I have questions or comments about this man. Yes. Uh, Lou Krugman as Conway. He's the guy who's talking to Butler at the Metropolis Club at the beginning. Dennis Moore mm-hmm. as uh, as Officer Riley. Oh, and the actor who played Conway, he'll be back in uh, Ghost Wolf uh, in a couple of weeks, which we'll be hitting. But yeah, what do you want to say about or ask or talk about with respect to Inspector Hill? Well, why is he not Inspector Henderson, first of all? That's my first comment. And second of all, is this this guy's only episode, this character? Yes. I be- uh, amazing, that is amazing. That is so of this show to, to have these characters show up. I did look him up. I'd have to double check, but I believe this was his only his only outing. So very interesting backstory here. So Robert Shane, who played Hen- Inspector Henderson, Henderson and mm-hmm. was a regular, not in every episode, but he was typically when we have the police represented as Inspector yeah, Henderson. It's exactly. like, what's going on with Hill for this one episode? So this was an instance where the actor Robert Shane was was subpoenaed and called in to testify before the House Un-American Activities Committee. He was blacklisted. Yeah. I think I, I remember learning this about him at, at some point. So, okay, wow. So I'm going to take a page out of your book. You always bring in when you do your show, you have materials that you reference that can shine some light on what you're talking about. So Superman homepage, shout out to them. They had a great article about Shane in the background. I won't, won't go through everything, but uh, just a, a couple of pieces here. Because of Shane's membership in the Communist Party, his activity to organize actors and a vindictive ex-wife who referred his name to the committee, Shane was one of the many targeted by the House Committee on Un-American Activities. And then they have a quote from Phyllis Coates, of course, who played Lois, who said, Bob at one time had been a card-carrying communist. One morning, George and I were going down to the set, and we could see Bob in the distance with two guys on either side of him. George said, that's the heat. And sure enough, it was two FBI agents. That's the yell of that. (laughs) That's the heat. And then the last piece here, like many actors and friends, Shane was placed on the infamous blacklist, effectively eliminating them from work. And on two occasions, he was subpoenaed uh, and, and forced to testify. And then, uh, so later on, Kellogg's, who sponsored Adventures of Superman, was not tolerant and wanted Shane removed from the cast. It was producer Robert Maxwell, as well as George Reeves uh, and Phyllis Coates, who stood up for Shane, insisting that he be allowed to continue on, uh, although that damaged his career for years. And Coates said, we all wrote letters and pleaded, but it took years. So Mm. allegedly, that's why he wasn't here. Yeah, but right, like, that's nice, nice to to hear that. Yeah, okay. Well, I I thought they were like, well... Henderson doesn't really look like Superman or have that build. So let's just have a different inspector of the week. We can plug him in here. He can sit in this chair and look like Superman. Because as soon as, like, I mean, I didn't remember beat for beat, but as soon as they're like, hey, come over here, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's going to sit in the chair and he's going to think that he's the shadow of Superman. I, I thought it was something like that. I hadn't, I did not know it was such a deep uh, issue this particular episode. And I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this on this podcast uh, yet, but Robert Shane. He goes on to be in The Flash, the 1990 Flash, with John Marcy Ship. He is a newspaper salesman for, I think, like two or three episodes, uh, which is just in a, you know, one of the first instances of DC legacy casting. Everybody loves this legacy casting that DC Comics does, or, you know, live action DC and animation, but uh, just a cool little, cool little tidbit there. That's very cool. I know. I know you're a fan of the big fan of that show, and that re- largely remains a blind spot for me. I only recently watched the pilot for our mutual friend Tyler Patrick's podcast, Krypton Report. Yeah, I heard that episode. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Fu- it was really fun to finally watch that. So uh, if I, if and when I make my way through the rest of it, I'll definitely keep an eye out for for Robert Shane. So, shall we go scene by scene through the Human Bomb? Do it. 
Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC Movie Rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Aw oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw yeah. All right. So, of course, I thought of you during this opening scene. I mean, I thought of you the whole way through because I knew we were going to be talking. But this scene yes. in particular, a, a few interesting things of note, I feel. As like you said, this scene goes on for a while. It's just these two guys at the Metropolis Club. And now, is this the place? Is this the place that Perry White lives? No, that's the press club. Man, the fifties was a different time, man. All these clubs. And- I know. <laughs> I know. I think about it all the time, especially when I watch the old honeymooners episodes and Ralph and Ed, they were part of the raccoon lodge. So like these lodges, these clubs, I'm like, you know, I- these are the things our grandparents did, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's like, you know, it's funny. Every generation has their thing. We podcast <laughs> and it's like, they went to the lodge. <laughs> this is just our version of the lodge. That's. Uh, so, so these guys are chatting and Butler's reading the newspaper and the big headline is about Superman's war on crime. And this was interesting because we talk about this all the time. And, you know, of course the episodes are airing in a different order in which they were shot, but it's always interesting when people know of Superman or don't know of Superman, like in Riddle of the Chinese, Chinese Jade in the previous episode, the big bad, like had no idea who Superman was when he showed up at the end. And, (laughs) And here obviously he's in all the headlines and they're talking about him. And I think that the two things that were interesting to me, one was that you actually got, I think, like a fairly interesting conversation about Superman's power, like how much power he has and and how intoxicating that would be. And, and there's this, you know, this whole discussion about, you know, he could do whatever he wants. He doesn't, you know, bow to authority. And Conway's like, well, but he works with authority. And he's like, yeah, but he doesn't have to. I, I thought, I don't know, it's just like it was an interest, surprisingly 
deep or interesting conversation on his power, right? Like, you don't see a ton of that in this. Yeah, it seems like, uh, I don't know if self-aware is the right word, but, uh, you know, just an an analysis of the character on a level that you don't think they would be doing, like, that early in the character's life. That's like some 1980s deconstruction of, like, what Superman means as a symbol in society. No, it's just two guys in the 50s talking about, oh, yeah, if I had the power of Superman, I'd, I'd do all kinds of stuff. It'd be great. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. We're not in Batman v Superman territory. We're not, we're not. <laughs> Must that. there be a Superman? That's what they're discussing <laughs> at, at the, at the Metropolis club in 1953. Yeah. Yeah. We're not there yet, but the fact that they were even broaching the subject, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And then Butler just goes on this whole, <laughs> this whole track about being able to control Superman. And of course, that makes me think of Lex Luthor oh, from Smallville and the yes, Orb. Season seven. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I yeah. was expecting Bet a Million Butler to bust out the Veritas journal. Or at least the or at least the cliff notes of the Veritas journal. I think I just read the cliff notes of the Veritas journal. <laughs> Talking about Lex. Uh no, that's a good call. Well, I guess Jarrell's meaning of control meant taking away my powers. Yeah. As much as we love season eight, and we were on, you know, you were on my podcast when you talk about Odyssey. That was their like retcon out of that i'm like that was disappointing but i guess when you have no lex to control clark you have to change the meaning of that but yeah control that's a having (laughs) to hear him talk about his like he could be more powerful than any dictator or president or emperor like he goes on this megalomaniac uh ranch here it's like dude all you did was keep him from going to or you thought (laughs) keep him from stopping a museum robbery for 30 minutes that is not like being the dictator of the world that you were talking about there but yes no i it, it just it was it just made me think of smallville and for anyone not familiar with smallville i won't, I won't recap the whole thing but there's a whole <laughs> yeah. bit towards the end we of, should add a little context sorry yeah <laughs> there's a whole bit at towards the end of season seven where uh lex is in pursuit of the ability to control the traveler who of course we know to be clark kent and for the audience and i think the writers there was a very big question about what it meant to control uh, and as we're watching those late season seven episodes, it really seems like it would be some sort of mind control, some sort of puppetry, something like that. And yeah. spoiler alert, when we get to the season, the beginning of season eight, we, we find out that, as you said, Jor-El's meaning of control meant taking away Clark's powers. That was how he would be controlled. So here we get a much more literal, you know, to, to some extent, I suppose, <laughs> mm. or or a more, I don't know, smaller scale, more specific, but more more tangible, at least. This was a very specific plan here. Yeah, that's true. Give him credit for that. When Butler is is monologuing about how you know what it would feel like to to just even better than having the power would be controlling the person with the power. It's like would it? But all right, anyway. What the, what the <laughs> I, know, I disagree. <laughs> I would rather have the power. Yeah. His 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 look, his his demeanor. Is this, do you just chalk it up to uh, an acting choice or is he reading off a cue card? Because that was really what it looked like. Oh, oh no. Maybe. I, I just thought he was just staring off into like, yes, yes. <laughs> like one of those things. I didn't, did not consider he might have been pulling a Marlon Brando and just reading a cue card, but uh, very possible. That's possible. Uh, but I'll, once again, I'll be generous and say that even if he were reading off a cue card, he put enough of a spin on it where, you could read it exactly the way you did where it's like, no, he was just 
you know, uh, you know, has like this crazed look over him as he's yeah. as he's not even Being looking at the guy he's talking to. Of control, <laughs> not even he's having a conversation with himself at that point. He's yeah. not even talking to his buddy there. So but then he bets him what a hundred thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, nineteen fifties money. Uh, That's big. insanity. That's I don't know how much that'd be today. We're not going to do the math, but it's got to be like two million dollars today or something. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, look, these guys are spending their days at the Metropolis Club. They must be pretty well off. Yeah. But but it's even crazier when you think about the fact that, again, we know where Butler's going here, and th- he's on a road to imprisonment. There's really no way out for him. So even if he, it's really, and the money's really nothing to him. It's really just, as, and as we learn when we get his full bet a, bet a million Butler name, it's like this guy just bets on anything. So it's like, I don't think yeah. that even matters. It's the, all about the thrill for him. Yeah. Exactly. It's the thrill chasing it. Amazing. So then we move to the Daily Planet. And from this point on, we're just really in it here. And this is where our, our uh, you know, 24 real-time doot, clock. Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> Did you watch 24? Episodes, random episodes. I, my, my mom watched 24. <laughs> I don't know if you're a big Keeper Sutherland fan or what, but I know she watched it a lot. But it was just 24 people of our age. You know, it was like in the zeitgeist. It was like must see TV. Was like you know, the, the I don't the Game of Thrones of its day. I don't know, but that's something that everybody kind of even if you didn't watch it, you had a, a a knowledge of it, and people would talk about it, and it would be in the pop culture. So that was such a huge thing. And I, all right, speaking of you know Smallville, because we're just gonna bring up Smallville as much as we can. Um, the season four finale commencement where they had that like the ticking clock. I was like, someone's been watching twenty four. Like the like oh, there's a meteor shower coming. Why is there a countdown and a clock and a sound effect? At every commercial break, like I, that was definitely inspired by Twenty Four. I, I think anyway. Yeah. Oh man, Twenty Four was was huge. I mean, and I, you know, we're the same age. I was like in high school. Like that was just the thing. And I remember, I remember being so flip about it that first season because I wasn't watching it live. And I remember it was oh, what are they, eight hour eight episodes where he's just sleeping. And then I finally watched <laughs> it that summer. I think on DVD. And I, you talk about a binge, man. I blew through. Those discs. Those are old days. I had nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) No, and and, not to get too far on topic, but I think uh, I had similar feelings about Heroes at the time. I didn't watch the first season and it was like this phenomenon and like, whatever, what are you guys talking about? You know, like I, we'd be hanging out at friends' houses and the friend, like some friends would go watch it on the TV. I'm like, what are you doing? Whatever, right? And then I got the the DVDs before season two. I was like, this show was amazing. And then I would, I religiously watched it all the, all the way to the end. So all the 2000s way. TV, man. Well, okay. All I did actually, okay. Yes, I actually did watch all the way to the end of season four of Heroes. Always on the Heroes. Is it coming soon? We'll see, listeners. <laughs> I always joke about that as 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 the next podcast for years. On, always on Smallville. Um, when Heroes Reborn came out, I was like, "Oh, they're bringing it back. They're gonna give it the, the conclusion it deserved." And I only got like a third of the way through it. I had to stop. Even I, <laughs> who had stayed through all the the better end of the show. Uh, couldn't get through Heroes Reborn. But anyway, obviously the 2000s in television had a huge effect on us, Anthony. Clearly. I th- look, I know I, I've gotten the sense we have a, a lot of the people who are listening to this grew up watching Adventures of Superman, whether it was in first run or in subsequent years uh, as it continued to play in syndication. And so even if they don't have the attachment to these shows that we're talking about, they know this feeling and this phenomenon. Mm. So I think we're all on the same page on that front. So now we're in the Daily Planet. We have the scene that we talked about before. Will the realness backrack please stand up? So we've got a couple of receptionists. 
and we have, uh, you know, Butler, he goes in, he talks to Lois, he reveals the dynamite. Like we said, there's no music. <laughs> well, he says, the name is Bob. B-O-M-B. She's like, okay, what's your first name? Human. The Human Bob. Hence the title. I guess he was trying to protect his identity. Staying anonymous. Like, what do you see? You hear the title, The Human Bob, and you're like, wow, Superman's going to fight some uh, Firestorm-like villain or something, you know, right? But no, it's it's just some guy with some dynamite strapped to him with this name that he that he gave to Lois Lane. I, not a criticism of the episode. I'm just saying you see that on a list. You're like, oh, he's going to fight like a fire guy. That'll that'll be cool. It's not that. It's not that at all. It's not that. Although, you know, later in the episode, and we'll get there, we get a a, a rare, a exceedingly rare save from Superman where we have actually a, a mid-air catch as Jimmy is falling from the building. So they... Look, and it's rough and everything, but it's like they went they went somewhere that they don't typically go. It wasn't in the form of the adversary, uh, but at least yeah, there was, I, there was I, something. I have a I have a theory about that, where that came from, but we'll get to it. We'll save okay. it. That all right, all right, right on. So, well, let me ask you, when, <laughs> I know it's, it is funny the way it plays out, you know, Bomb, and she's like, B-A-U-M, he's like, no, B-O-M. And when he, rev- and at that point, Lois is still kind of like pushing him out the door. Yeah. And I, I guess, well, I mean, what's your take on this? Because on the one hand, they probably get their fair share of crackpots at the paper, but at the same time, might you want to follow up, like, might you have a follow-up question if someone comes in? kind of with, with that sort of approach? Or do you think her get out of here made sense? I think that tracks her. She's like, she has no time for that today. Like, she, she's doing real business over here and some lunatic with a silly name. Like, okay, sir, why don't you just... I'll, I'll, now's not a good time. Like, I, I, I thought that was... It's, because it's not like he's, he's like, hey, I got a big story for you. It's like, I need to talk to you. My name is the human bomb. She's like, all right, no, thank you. So that, that tracked for me. All right, I'll go with that too. But yeah, he reveals the dynamite. He handcuffs himself to her. This is one of the interesting pieces where she dials out to to you know the, the, the main area. And episode after episode, we have Lois and other characters putting Clark down. Yet, mm. yet he is it always can, wait, Clark. Yeah, he is always the first person all of these people ask for. So you can, you know you can't have it both ways. Is is he this cowardly loser? who isn't worth your time or is he the person you want in a crisis? He's always the first one they ask for. It's true. No, I, I thought, I know you comment on that very often on, on your podcast. And that's the first thing I thought of too. Like get Clark, <laughs> like the guys with the bomb, get Clark, get Clark, get the police, get somebody else. But I don't know. I don't even know if they knew they were self-aware when they were doing that. Uh, you'd think they had so many scripts and they're also similar. You think at some point, some, someone would have recognized that. Maybe they did. We're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't think they thought that people would be dissecting these episodes. <laughs> like, 60 years later. Yeah. 70, 70 years later. 70. Oh, you're right. It is 70. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Insane. So Clark's not there. So just send someone in. <laughs> the best they can do is <laughs> Jim Olsen. <laughs> Poor Jim. Hey, what's going on here? I have to say one of the things I just I love about this episode is just his inspection of the stick of dynamite. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what what's your read on that scene? Did you? Because I watch you this and it's just like how I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't know if I were <laughs> holding a stick and it just said dynamite. I don't yeah. Know. I mean I don't know if, it, if it's a, like a a soft <laughs> like tube with some sort of you know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. Even, I don't even know. Like, if someone d- handed me something that looked like dynamite and it felt like dynamite, dynamite, I'd be like, okay, it's 
probably dynamite. I, I don't know. Uh, but no, I'm not some I'm, after careful inspection. You know, I saw that name and I looked up in the phone booth and I, that's where it all plays out, I guess, with him. But, um, you know, he, Jim, he's young. You know, he thinks he knows everything. He's, he's got a lot to learn about life. So I know I know I say this a lot, too. I, in, in my head, he's older than I think he's meant to be. On, on the show, you know, I always look at are him. You, as, are you implying they cast a 20 something year old to play a teenager? <laughs> Anthony, what kind of Superman show would do such a thing? I know. Unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah. I mean, this set, this, 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 <laughs> this is the blueprint. It's not small, but it's this. Invention <laughs> of Superman is the blueprint. Yeah. I, I guess you know, you know, you've mentioned all the times where he's like, well, my parents are out of town. So Mr. Kent has to stay over that kind of thing. So it's like, how old is this dude? I, I, I got to stay home alone when I was a teenager, I think. Uh, but, you know, it was a different time back then. So I don't know. I guess how old is he supposed to be? 16? He's got a he's got a job, an intern. I know. It's like I feel like it was the 50s. It was a different time. You're supposed to be married by you were 22. So it was a different gauge of ages back then, I guess. I know very, that is very true. Yeah, I mean, I guess in my mind, he's at you know at, at least late teens, if not early twenties. But yeah, maybe he is meant to be even younger. Right? I always have to check myself. And it's like, all right, so like cut, cut the kid some slack. <laughs> yeah, it's a little boy. He's, <laughs> you know, you know the the youngest looking Jimmy, and we're all over the place here in this conversation. But, uh, the youngest looking Jimmy Olsen, and they could do this because of animation. It was Superman the animated series. Like he's just drawn so small and like, I, what is he like 12 or 13? I, I don't know. But, but that, that to me, when I think of like, who's the youngest looking uh, Jimmy just in, in context with the rest of the daily planet staff, that's the one I go to. And I still don't know how old he's supposed to be either. So. Yeah, it is always somewhat of a moving target, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, he inspects the dynamite. It looks real enough to him and he, he runs to get Perry. And in the meantime, uh, Butler and Lois make their way out onto the ledge. Yes. I mean, really upping the stakes here, right? Because he's like, it's going to get crowded in here. So they need to go out onto, onto the ledge. You know, here's the thing with Butler and the whole thing of going back to that modern family line of like, what's the plan? Part of me wants to wants to be critical and say, I would have liked this more if he had some sort of exit strategy. Because then it's like, okay, he's going to collect on his bet. He's going to... He's going to dine on the fact that he controlled Superman and there's a little bit more of a plan here, but like they're not going to know his real name. Exactly. Cause he's the human bomb, human bomb. But instead, like we don't have that, but I'm like, once again, I'm going to say, I, I think that's just kind of an interesting choice here where this is a guy who, this is really all he cares about. And I think it really just is about the thrill of winning the bet of, of controlling this powerful being and nothing else really matters. The money, what's going to happen to him next. So I'll, I'll go along with it. Yeah, I I see no problem. I enjoyed it as well. Like I wasn't sitting there being like, well, this doesn't make any sense. This is dumb. I was like, all right, let's see. Let's see where, how this plays out. It was exciting. And I, I give him credit for the uh, the creative shot they had, like the over the head shot they had of the ledge. Obviously, it's a rear projection thing. They hadn't quite figured out like, you need film of higher film stock when you're going to superimpose stuff. Cause it's like, Oh, I can see the grain from like whatever the pre optical printer technology they were using in the fifties. Cause you see like, that's clearly like stock footage of a street <laughs> from somewhere else. Right. Um, but the fact that you're looking down and they're on a physical edge and there's like cars and street below them. I thought that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good setup there. Yeah, it worked. Uh, this is coming later, but I just want to say it now because this is, this exchange is actually what, what, 
cemented this episode in my memory. And fellow guest Rich Roney and I, we have been joking about this exchange for for years now since we watched the episode. But a, a little bit later, a butler offers Lois a cigarette on out on the ledge. Yeah. And yes. the, the fact that he offers it to her, but more so her response of no thank you. It's uh, for whatever reason, it just made such an impression on me. I mean, a I've never smoked a day in my life, but I don't know if I were in that situation, I might just light up and <laughs> just yeah. go for it. But the fact that her she doesn't discard her manners, even <laughs> even in that moment where she could be like f off, she's just like yeah. no, thank you. I always no, thank you. love that. Thank you kindly. <laughs> I I to me, I was like, oh, this is so fifties. And then they're out on a ledge with dynamite strapped to one of them the dude's gonna smoke i was so like proud of the show for lois being like you know i'd, I'd rather you not smoke considering you're strapped to dynamite he's like oh and he, he just gets rid of the cigarette like i, I thought that was a cute self-aware moment because i was like oh uh, I, I just i thought they wouldn't address it i thought the guy would just be puffing away when he's strapped with dynamite because that's how that's how people were back then just smoking all the time so good on you adventures of superman yeah, no, it is. I know it's 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 very true. Oh man, that was so funny. I love that exchange. That comes a little bit later, but uh, after they go out on the ledge, we have that scene with Perry and Jimmy that we joked about before. The difference between implying and inferring. Mm. Uh, but they make this plan. They're going to try to find Clark because Clark has had success in tracking down Superman in the past. So that's kind of you know what uh, what what, what they're with his best friend Superman. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and then Clark, he's on the street with the people, right? And this, to me, this is very Superman the movie because it's like Clark on the street at a level. He looks up, an article of, of clothing from Lois falls on the street. He takes notice of it, looks up, sees the crisis. I'm like, this is, man, it's, Adventures of Superman is the blueprint. <laughs> it really is. Because <laughs> you could just talk about no music. You could superimpose the John Williams music from the helicopter rescue sequence. Like, da 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 The shoe falls down and he looks up. Anyway, that's, that's immediately where my, where my thought went. No, absolutely. It's funny. I wasn't thinking that explicitly when I was when I was watching it, but that you, now that you say it, yeah, exactly. What I liked about that too is, and we talked about this actually with the riddle of the Chinese J too. In that case, it was Superman, not Clark specifically, but just this idea of one of them on the streets of Metropolis, surrounded by people, and just mm. getting more of a feel of of the city of Metropolis. Like I like that. I like that they're you know everybody's on the street. They're looking up, and Clark's down there among the people, and yeah, the, her heels are coming down and breaking yeah. apart, and. He, you know, and that, uh, you know, uh, gets him off and running. Ah, I thought that was cool. The I, I believe, and I've this is my other point I want to bring up later when we see a shot, but I, I feel like the shot of the people looking up is from the opening credits uh, of like, look, up in the sky. Or I, I don't know what part or if they have a longer clip and they just slice a bit out of it. But like they use that stock footage for this, I think. And I feel like they use that more than once over the course of the show. Yes, uh, I can't swear to that 100%, but yes, I'm almost certain. And then also a little bit later when Clark leaves the office and he goes into the storage closet, that scene of him ducking out and he's got the hat on, I'm again, I'm almost certain that's that's the shot that we see in that's so like many others. That's like the shot they yeah. always use, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it was cool. Uh, it was cool to see that. So, again, now Clark isn't on the action. He, he, you know, he joins the others and this is where, you know, we get this exchange between him and, and Butler where he says something like, you know, Superman's not a faucet I can turn on and off. I, <laughs> I love that. That is the, the assertive Clark that you guys talk about so much. And he's like, you think Superman's a faucet I can turn on and off? <laughs> he's just like, this Clark, I, I really love this Clark. I really do. 
I do too. And that brings us to, to, you know, where you started us when I introduced you, where, you know, Clark realizes I have to leave here, right? I can't, I can't do what I need to do if I'm Clark. And I love, yeah. I, I just love the performance here that George Reeves gave, gave where he just, he has this moment and the camera's just on him and he realizes like, got to get out of here and you see it dawn on him like oh i'm gonna do this and he goes on this whole bit what was your take on that i loved it i think that the whole clark disappears all the time gets old that can only go so far especially in and a show like smallville for example where he's always doing it all the time to feel there's no secret identity there's no one else to go like pretend to be this is like no you're just gone and that to me that 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 gets old after a while now you could say like oh his like i need to return some videotapes sort of excuses get old too uh but like to to have him actually think something out is very impressive and lets you buy into this suspension of disbelief that like people don't immediately think he's superman all the time because this was a good it totally tracks. Like, I, I'm like, this Clark Kent would say that and be like, I want no part of this. I'm out of here. I'm going to come back with this is a respectable paper or whatever. And he leaves. And it's a great cover. He didn't just, hey, that's weird. Clark was here. And then Superman showed up and Clark's back at the end. Oh, well, on to the next adventure. Like, And that's so prevalent. Um, but this is this is a great one. This, I'm going to have to remember. This is one of the great Clark Kent excuses, I think, to go turn to Superman. It really was, right? I love, this was such a great bit where he's just like, oh, he accuses that. He accuses them <laughs> of staging all of this as a publicity stunt to generate a headline. And he doesn't even let them get a word in. It's like, he just, he's like, I can't believe this. I have to leave. It was, yeah, it was so clever. And I, I agree yeah. with you. It's like, you know, those other, you know, either just flat out disappearing or pretending to be nervous or pretending to have an appointment. You know, you can only do that so many times, but this was... He, I don't know, he just like, he just invented this whole motivation. It was amazing. I was such a great touch to this episode. Yeah. And I give them credit because it would have been so easy to do anything else, right? Or he yeah. could have just said like, I'm going to go try to look for, you know, that's the, <laughs> that's the funny yeah. thing. <laughs> that's the, the one time that actually would have worked. <laughs> it's like, that's what they want him to do. They want him to go find Superman. It's like, no, I want no part of this. Like, this is what, dude, this is the excuse you use 80% of the time. And you just left it there. So good. This is why secret identities are fun, everybody. I love secret identities. And we need to get back to that in our superhero uh, multimedia. Yeah, there's there's a place for them, no doubt. I, I agree completely. But yeah, he's out. He ducks into the closet, changes into Superman. Uh, it's actually at this point where we get that whole cigarette exchange. But then Superman shows up and confronts butler and we have this whole back and forth and it, it leads to him testing a stick of dynamite which again as far as special effects go we didn't really typically see not that this was terribly involved but sort of him flying up and you see the hand and you see the stick of dynamite and i appreciated what they were going for it gets the point across it's very brief it's very cheap but it gets the point across yes it, it, this is an important moment because jim will jim will totally forget this later on when he becomes <laughs> when he becomes convinced that it's all a ruse and the dynamite is not real the fact that superman flew it up into the sky and we saw it explode he'll he'll forget that piece of it but a uh, very memorable part of the episode but not so much for yeah for little jim no <laughs> uh what's funny is you know again we always talk about how how tough both clark and superman are on the show and 
it. And when he's standing on that ledge with Butler, it's like, you know, he just wants to punch him. You know, you know, this Superman just wants to slug him, but he throw him off, but he can't. And this is when, again, Butler lays out everything, the whole thing about how I'm going to control you for 30 minutes. There's going to be this robbery. The item will be returned, but it's about, yeah, it's about you letting it happen. Maybe that's why he thought he was going to get away with all this. He's like, well, the item will be returned. And yeah, just no, no harm, no foul, right? Nobody died. Nothing got permanently stolen. We just had a little fun. But then this leads to, I think, after the cigarette, my other, my number two moment from the episode where Superman turns to leave. I was like, where are you going? He's like, it makes me nervous to see Miss Lane out here. Yes. <laughs> that in and of itself Amazing, but her yes. delivery of it makes you nervous yes. <laughs> was amazing. Phyllis Coates for the win. <laughs> oh, so good. I love that. It makes me nervous. <laughs> Can't stand out here. These are these are great excuses. Superman and Clark, man, he's on point with the excuses today because he's like, well, I have to get out of this line of sight so I can do this whole desk lamp ruse he's about to do and that's his like i just i can't stomach the sight of this i'm gonna be inside don't worry you'll see me yeah it's so funny and so he sets up exactly what you're describing with the lamp and the chair and uh, that other inspector inspector hill inspector hill inspector hill uh he did give inspector hill some mouth early he's like quiet inspector (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking you're not henderson i don't need to listen to you i don't know who you are I'll tell you, he would he would say the same thing or worse to Henderson himself. I guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always bossing these guys around. But yeah, he makes he makes Hill sit in the chair and he puts his jacket around his shoulders to mimic the cape. Of course, has to take the cigarette out of his mouth. Yes, the best part: Superman doesn't smoke, so he takes the cigarette out and throws it away. It's such a small little thing, but just so enjoyable. Like just those little details. Yeah, and, just, the, and it looked like the um, it looked like the silhouette was like animation. You know, like a drawn. I don't know if you. I don't know if you guys know this, but you know the first time you see Batman in Batman '89, like when he's on the roof, that's that's the animation. Oh, I didn't know that. That's not a stunt double. That is that is. And if you watch, once you watch it, knowing it, you'll never unsee it because you see this shadow. And I think when I was a kid, I was like, "Is that like his shadow?" I'm like, "Oh no, that's supposed to be Batman." <laughs> and that's it's a hand drawn little animation that comes across the roof. The, the first shot of Batman '89 where you see Batman. Same deal here. This is this is not a shadow of George Reeves in a chair. This is literally someone drew like a black, you know, um, profile. It's actually a whole art form. Like, what's that called? You know, the scissors and the. Am I know what I'm talking about oh, out there. I don't know. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank, but I'm I, I know what you're we, saying. There, we had a guest on the talk show I used to work on that came and did that for everybody. I still have one of myself uh, that I gave to my mom. Uh, I don't have one of myself sitting in my office. I look at, but anyway, there's an entire, and I'm sure as soon as we hang up here, I'll remember what it is, but it's a whole art form where you cut out a little uh, silhouette. Maybe maybe it's that. I, I don't know. But anyway, someone drew that. That was my whole point with that tangent. So, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this takes, we're in this in this office for a little bit here as they're setting all of this up. And and of course, you know, we're we're 50 minutes into this and we haven't yet said the most classic iconic line from this entire episode. No comment until the time limit is up. <laughs> and that's how he's going to get away with this. But between having the Inspector Hill, you know, s- sit in for him, but then this recording of his voice saying no comment until the time limit is up. So no matter what Butler asks him, that's what's going to play on the tape recorder that he has that he has Jim set up. Right. And that'll be enough mm-hmm. to. You know, to to throw Butler off. Yeah, what what did what did you make of this whole this whole ruse that Superman goes through? 
Uh, the silhouette is clever. Uh, the the body double of the other inspector is clever because they're they're similar build. Using the, the coat to look like a cape. The tape recorder thing, like the chief has a tape recorder, right? Bring it in here, right? Um, he, instead of like recording what he was going to say into the tape recorder and then playing it back, he goes out, yells it through the window, and I guess Jimmy recorded him from there, and that's what they play back. Like I would have done that a little differently. <laughs> it was the fifties. Tape recorders were new technology. I'm sure they didn't understand how it worked yet. It's like computers in the eighties. We just didn't understand. So it was magic to them. So it was just like, we recorded it and now we're going to play it back and it's going to sound great. And that guy is going to think that's Superman saying that to him every time he says something. And it's weird. He seems so pleased. Do they play it back? I thought it was going to like, um, you know, most people have seen speed. You know what I'm talking about? Or like they record uh, they record uh, the same 10 seconds of the people on the bus and the woman keeps dropping her purse. And that's the clue to the villain that it's a record. Anyway, I'm getting all off the rails here. But my point is, I thought there was going to be something where he was like, okay, this is getting a little old and suspicious. Maybe that's not really Superman over there. And Perry almost screws up the whole thing because he doesn't know how to use his own tape recorder. <laughs> so that was as, that's as close as we got to the technology betraying them, is my point there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah, a fun, you know, fun little bit of business with, with Perry and Jim there, but... I can't rewind it! Oh my god! <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I don't trust it's 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 like the young people programming the VCR, you know, back in the day, people of our generation. Today, I guess I don't know what it would be, but uh, uh, that was uh, the whole l- thing. learning how to unmute yourself on a Zoom. I guess. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? No, <laughs> <laughs> that's that is that is the perfect analogy for us. It was our grandparents and the VCR flashing twelve. Today, people like talking on Zoom. We all guys, guys. <laughs> it has been three plus years since we all became this social distancing society we've been using video calls i mean as podcasters even we were ahead of the game we were using this stuff before uh the everyday person was but there is no excuse now for people i just you know when you're in work situations and people jump onto teams and they and like oh what's going on i can't hear i'm like come on y'all this is not your first rodeo with this but that's rant over no, that's why I know. I'm with you. <laughs> Same energy as Perry White not working that tape recorder. That's <laughs> you know I mentioned before with the the suspensions of disbelief that are required here. And look, I'll I'll just roll with it. But all you know, all Butler really had to say was, "Fine, you don't have to stand out here, but I have to see you." Right? <laughs> yeah. like he's so he's so very you know for for this for this guy in this position he's pretty he's pretty accommodating right he doesn't he doesn't push this it's enough that he just sees the reflection yeah yeah but it's fine i want you to come out here and hold your hand up i'm gonna see three fingers on your hand like you could have had all these demands but he he just was pretty cool the whole time he's like hey uh only a few more minutes superman what do you think about that no comment until the time limit is over (laughs) and he's perfectly fine he never becomes frustrated with that answer which is like, I guess, endearing. The guy is just so chill about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, maybe because he, I, I know I'm looking for, <laughs> you know, I'm looking for something that's not really there. But, but maybe because he is this just this consummate gambler, and he's mm. always making these wagers, and and maybe he, you know, he is a man of his word, and and he mm. just kind of expects that, and maybe that's the experience he's had. It's like you make a deal with someone, and and you know, he's not, he's not questioning it i don't know he does seem pretty shocked and upset at the end when he's like superman double crossed me <laughs> truth justice is america way my ass come on man 
I'm going to tell Conway about this when I get back to the club. Uh, sir, you're not going back to the club. <laughs> to the club. I love, I know we, we're, we'll get there in a minute, but when, when uh, Hill, and you know, they, they cart him off and, and Inspector Hill is leaving the Daily Planet office and he's like, we don't have to pamper him on the way. It's like, oh, they're going to beat this guy in the, like, mm. on, the, on the way. Uh, not the first instance of that on this show. You know, we had an, mm. an episode early on where Henderson and Clark very clearly off screen have roughed up uh, one one of the guys, and you know, we're we're just, we're just along for the ride. Yeah, you know. Anyway, this is fifties. The fifties, man. Yeah. So uh, let's see where <laughs> where oh, are they, we? Here? They had that hiccup. They had that hiccup with the tape recorder. Perry almost messes it up, but Jimmy figures it out. You're like, oh, okay. Now I would have honestly. Like I would have preferred that lead into like him figuring out Superman wasn't there and things play out that way. Jimmy just going going rogue out there with the golf club, calling his girlfriend, right? Hey, I just want to. Well, you know what I'm trying to say. I like you. Get <laughs> the fifties, I guess. I guess that's how people talked on the phone. But that was like Jimmy thought he would might go die. I guess. Yeah, we gotta talk about Jimmy here. I, this was insane to me, right? So he has this. We see him have this realization. And he goes over to the phone book. Yes, the phone book. Yeah. Right. And 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 then he goes into Perry's office. And like you said, he calls, he calls his girl. He's like saying his final farewells, this kid. <laughs> and then he goes, he grabs uh or first he tries the the vase, right? He pulls the flowers out of yeah. it. And he, he thinks about that. He's like, no, nah. then he goes and he gets one of Perry's golf clubs. And then he goes out the window onto the ledge from Perry's office. And what what we quickly see unfold because he he you know comes upon them on the ledge you know with with that club and he's really pushing Butler of like you know I know that's you know I know that's phony like push the button push the button <laughs> and so he has gotten it in his head that the dynamite is fake because I guess when he looked at it he saw the name of of a of a company or a store that he looked up in the phone book and it wasn't there it wasn't listed so that can only mean the only conclusion that you could draw is that it's not real dynamite. And that's what, what sets him off, which is not even the biggest problem with all this. But let me toss it to you. Well, again, as we've established, he's a kid. He doesn't know how the world works quite yet. So I, I just think it's funny that he thought, oh, this is a fake company. So it must be fake dynamite. Like you you think this guy made fake dynamite with a fake company name on it. It shouldn't just be like a red or you know cardboard colored looking tube. Like to think that it, someone would go to the trouble of faking dynamite with a fake company name on it is amusing. And I love when they explain to him later, it's like, you know, he could have gotten it from a store in another city or it could just not be listed. <laughs> it's yeah, like, he's you know, like, oh man. But the the bigger thing to me, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna spin this into something positive. So don't worry. Okay. And I, you know, again, Zach and I, we both watch the you know the Smallville rewatch podcast, Talkville, uh, the second best uh, Smallville rewatch podcast, obviously. Yes, the second ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Yes. But but Rosenbaum, who played Lex on the show and is one of the co-hosts, is often accused of part of my language shitting on the show. It's become a running thing uh, with them because he you know, he shares his opinion and it's not always positive as he's talking about these Smallville episodes. So you know, well, I guess to an extent, <laughs> on both of our shows, we do the same sort of thing. But it's just yes. we're giving our honest assessment, positive and negative, and having fun with it. And the thing about this with Jim that's just so insane to me is that. Even if he was right, and clearly there are some leaps in logic that that prove, you know, could could have been his undoing. But even if he were right, there's really nothing to indicate that this that this warrants his intervention. It's like we're there are only a few hmm. minutes left. Yeah, you know, Superman's going to be coming back. 
so the like he knows Superman. He knows the plan, right? <laughs> like he knows Superman left and is coming back. That's so true. Like that's the thing. That's what. That's the the thing with the with the gym of it all in this is that there was not. I I would have a critique a little bit here. Like I would have appreciated if there was something that Butler said or did that made it seem like oh he's not going to keep his word. He anything. Yeah, but there isn't, and so it's just like Jim is like needlessly escalating this, and he's swinging this golf club. It's like you're on a ledge, and they're handcuffed. It's like, <laughs> and there's like four inches, you know, of, of this ledge. Now, the the thing on this show, uh, from my memory, is uh, Jimmy and Lois get into trouble a lot of times just because they just a lack of communication between characters. Like Superman has a plan, or Clark has a plan. They don't know what it is. They're like, well, we're the only ones who can stop them. Jimmy, let's get them or something like that. And that's how they, and that's how they fall into even more danger than they would have been otherwise. But this is a very, everybody was in the office. Everybody knows the plan. Everything's, the guy seems pretty calm, cool and collected out there. Just a few minutes left, Superman. There'll be no comment to the time has expired. <laughs> so there was no escalation that would spur Jimmy on. Only his apparent realization that this company didn't exist. And he was like, well, I'm going to go, I guess he just really wanted to prove this guy was a phony. Yeah. I, I think there was that. And then this, this is the positive that I'll spend. I really mm-hmm. think he just, he just cares for Lois so much. Right. And, and he says that a little bit in the episode too. Yeah. And he, you know, he insists on her going in first. Right. And she's like, I can't squeeze past them. Like they, <laughs> they work it out somehow. Yeah. And uh, and then there's this tussle between the two of them. And I love at this point, I guess Lois is back inside and it's I think it's Officer Riley. I don't think it's Inspector Hill. I think it's Officer Riley. Yeah. The, the cop cop. Yeah. The uniformed cop who draws his gun and is, <laughs> is going to fight it's like York and she stops him from firing. Yeah. It's like, what do you think that's going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't unless this guy's an amazing shot. But even if he were, it's like these two guys are awfully close. on the. Well, I think earlier in the episode, that guy was itching to shoot. He was like, oh, come on, Inspector, let me out there. Let me have a shot out of it. Ah, not yet. Maybe later, but not yet. It's amazing. But to see them, and again, we keep cutting back to this overhead shot of them with the rear projection street on the ledge, and just to see them grappling, I'm like, God, like, it is kind of stressful because it's such a small ledge. There's no room to operate. And, of course, this, I mean, this guy's a little older, but Jimmy's just a little kid. Yeah. Not surprising that this guy gets the, the drop on him. Yeah, poor little Jimmy. He's out of diapers, uh, you know, a little, a little while ago. He's a little, little boy. He's a little boy. <laughs> He's out there. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Superman has gone off to stop this museum robbery. Uh, and then he makes quick work out of those two goons. But my favorite part is the way he grabs the, the smaller guy and lifts him up. That was cool. Yes. That was impressive from the collar and basically gives him a wedgie and like just mm-hmm. hoists him up. That was pretty did, badass. Did you, like how, uh, did you like how he engaged in fisticuffs, Anthony? Yes. Which is your favorite phrase of all. Take a shot, listeners. Every time Anthony says, George Reese Superman engages in fisticuffs. <laughs> yeah, that is my term of choice when I'm talking about Adventures of Superman clearly. And it's like yeah. on on Digging for Kryptonite, you know, we only talk about the show every so often. So it's uh, occasional. But here, you know, it's every week. But he does. That's the every thing. Every week. He truly, you know, it's it's like, that's truly what he's doing. <laughs> he's punching these people. It's amazing. Uh, but then he gets back and uh, and just in time for this save as as Jim is has fallen off the ledge when we get a, a midair catch mm. by Superman of Jim. So, yeah, what was your uh, I know you wanted to talk about the this effect. I feel like this is from Superman on Earth. I feel I feel like they just put a different background on it and it's just the Daily Planet instead of the sky because he he catches the guy falling from the blimp. It's the first episode that we were on talking about. That's why it was on my mind. 
And I feel like knowing how this show uses stock footage, not just the changing of Superman, but also crowd shots, city shots, other flying shots. I feel like we're like, well, if with the shots quick enough, we really can't tell who Superman's catching. So let's just use that and move on. It was fine. It got it got the point across. We understood. Uh, almost very radio play esque. Like, look, Superman caught him. Like, you know, to kind of help sell what happened to you, the the crowd watching. So no, I mean, I'm just pointing stuff out. I'm not complaining about it, but I do I do think that is very likely the recycled special effect from the first episode. That's a good call. I, I don't know offhand, but I could totally see that being the case. And it's so fast that I could, you know, I could definitely see that. It is literally a second. And to the show's credit, man, does that wind sound effect do so much of the work, right? Because then you're just watching the other characters watching this and you're just hearing the wind and it's like, oh, he's flying through the air with you. Like that's the the magic trick of this is that those sound effects just like let your imagination run wild. Like you think you're seeing it. I feel I feel like kids back in the day, like oh, Superman flying and you don't realize like how little of that you get, but it it's enough mm-hmm. and the rest of it fills in the gaps. You know, I was rewatching Man of Steel the other day, and in the sequence where Superman first flies, um, he's learning to fly. You hear the wind, and I'm like, is this like this George Reeves sound effect? Is it? I don't know. Does the wind always sound the same? I don't, I don't know, but maybe it's just because I live in this Superman world, obviously. <laughs> but I'm, I feel like, did they just take this sound effect and like kind of just put it in there under as a reference? I don't know. I know, uh, I do know Zack Snyder like knows this show because people asked him like what do you think of superman he's like well, i think of george reeves standing there on the moon with the american flag so i know he said that so he, he has a knowledge or affinity or some sort of history with the show and there will always have the debate whether they like cgi'd christopher reeves face on harry cavill for five seconds when he's flying up the world engine i think they did um so this is another little thing of man is still I'm like is this is this this is a venture superman did they go into this did they go into the sound archives or anthony perhaps they went on youtube and downloaded the video <laughs> Amazing. Like they did on the Flash. Anyway, let's yeah. let's move on. A reference that. to the Flash movie, insane. But no, and again, not to not to continue on 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 our, our tangent. But I remember when that first photo of Henry Cavill as Superman was released of him like standing in front of that bank vault, and he was mm. like hunched, like he was like in fighting position. And I, you know, from the from the jump, people were like, oh, you look so angry, blah blah blah. But it it was very much like that golden age. It, it had that kind of golden age, like he was ready to engage in fisticuffs. There it is, yes. And <laughs> and but no, like that totally tracks that this was an influence. This show was an influence of to some degree for Snyder because I, I mean, I you could see that. So George Reeves totally would have crashed that spy satellite at the end. Oh uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that's the I, you know again. I love I love the impatient, confident, authoritative both Superman and Clark. It's it's fantastic. 100%. And that's and that's essentially our episode after that say we have our little wrap up where they cart uh, Butler off. He's not going to be pampered. So who knows what kind of condition this guy will be in when he shows up at the, po- yeah. the police station. Like, you know who this guy is. It's it's betting Butler. Like, it's like, oh, that guy, you know, sure. It must be a name that people know. So that's why he used the alias of the human bomb. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I suppose. And and then of course we also now get the you know that we've gotten the explanation about how Jim was you know uh, led astray in his logic there as he was trying to piece all this yes. together, and then Clark shows up and it's the typical or, or you know kind of classic button of like where where were you and he's like I went off fishing and I caught a big one I I am not getting a lot of mileage out of these little these little buttons no. at the end of these no. episodes I feel like they have not worked out the formula yet I. <laughs> like uh, Jimmy is a fish and you caught, I mean, is this what you're referencing? Like, dude, what do you, 
if you're gonna do a pun, it's gotta make sense. Come on, Clark. And and uh, at least I didn't accuse him of being Superman this time. <laughs> as, as they do very often. But I do like how when he came back in, though, he was still on the whole like, well, I'm glad you guys gave up on that publicity stunt. He's just sticking to his story and I love it. But yeah, they um we're still workshopping that that perfect way to end these these episodes with the the the, the wink to the camera. I think they finally settle on that at some point. Uh, almost every episode anyway. I feel like maybe they could have just ended with some version of, oh, I'm glad you guys gave that up and we can get back to business. And they all just look at him. And that's it. The fishing thing just felt like, where is this coming yeah. from? So straight. And like usually, like, oh, I caught a big one. You think they're talking about like a story or something? People use that terminology. Oh, I, I reeled in a big one. But no, you're just like, you you caught Jimmy Olsen. Okay. He caught a, it's much more impressive when he caught that, uh, he, he, he caught Jimmy in a bank vault once, right? Like in a, in a yeah. Uh, what do you call that? A, a safe. What do you call that? Listen, <laughs> Jimmy was in the safe. You know, again, that was probably a half second shot we saw, but I don't know. That was a little more, maybe a little more impressive. That was a but great yeah, There one. you go. It's, think, it's, it's charming. It's charming. Was that case of the talkative dummy? I think that was, that was one of the, one of the very early yes. ones. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Cause, yeah. Cause it was a big reveal and you, you didn't know who put him in the, in the safe and stuff. Oh, Cause he X, did he X-ray vision and he saw Jimmy in the safe. Yeah. And he's in the car with Lois and he's like, Jim's in that safe. Jim's in that safe. <laughs> I like your theory of like he just he's I think you've said this a few times like he's just like yeah I'm Superman y'all just call me out on it apparently you're not going to so I'm gonna have I'm gonna have fun with y'all yeah I really feel like it's that or they just all kind of have this unspoken understanding I don't know uh before we give our final rating so let that marinate how many fedoras out mm. of five you'll give this uh I want to answer a couple of of uh YouTube comments that we've gotten recently and I I don't want to paint an overly negative picture. We get a lot of lovely uh, feedback from people, but th these two point to the same uh, <laughs> question that I'd like to answer. Uh, one person wrote on a recent episode, I can't believe this is an hour and a half podcast about a half hour TV episode, yet there are zero clips or even audio clips. And another person said, this podcast is long overdue for this brilliant show, but couldn't you at least show a photo or clip or two? So... I appreciate the engagement, regardless of sort of the, the tone of it. You know, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but what I will say, in case anyone is wondering, and I, I understand if, if there is sort of a, an appetite to, to see or hear moments from the episode as we're talking about them, a couple of things. It's not like it never crossed my mind. But uh, since I've gotten a couple of questions, let me just address it quickly on the show here. So number one, you know, I don't obviously own the rights to any of these things. And as much as we are probably quick to say, oh, fair use, fair use. Now, putting my lawyer hat on, that is a defense, and I would <laughs> rather not have to be in that position where something gets flagged or YouTube flags something. So there's that aspect of it. And again, I know tons of shows do it, but I'd rather not have a problem that I then have to re-edit episodes or things like that. The oh, other I, I, that's what I'm doing right now. Purely, purely, and not, I'm sorry, not no, to cut no. you off, but like I, I've I've been through that myself because, you know, I've, I've, I've since, uh, I've, I've moved... Uh, my hosting website for my podcast late in the show. And uh, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm monetized now and, and that kind of thing. And I thought, you know what? There is fair use. There's all that stuff. And I used to use, you know, the Save Me by Remy Zero. And I used to use sound clips from the episodes. And now moving forward and then, and I'm still updating my back catalog. I decided to take out all copyright material just because I don't want to get a season desist. I might never happen, but I just don't want to. And there's potential for that when you have, you know, 
ad breaks and things like that. So, so I just, and I don't, I, maybe this might not even be fair years, but I, the, 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 the compromise I've come to was using the promos for the episodes yeah. <laughs> because that is marketing material. So that I feel like I'm safe there because whenever you, you notice, whenever you see like movie, uh, like we're talking about movies, like on the news, they show like the trailer for the movie because it's marketing material. I'm like, okay, that's safe. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I totally understand that. And I a hundred percent feel the same way. Thank you. So that's a that's a huge piece of it. The other is that I I don't own these episodes digitally or in any kind of editable format. Mm. And even if I did, to be to be honest, I don't really have the time to be like cutting together clips to then insert into these episodes. So one of you know one of the ways that we're able to keep this train moving and get these episodes out in multiple podcasts is is not engaging in that sort of, of uh, you know, post-production or pre-production if I'm cutting them together ahead of time and then playing them live, yeah. whatever the case may be. So, you got you to pick out, you got to pick out which clip and you got to find, like, you got to rip your DVD. Like there, there's several steps. And I know you're, you, you know, you, you hear someone say that and you're like, well, I mean, it's like a 30 second clip. How long did it take? Well, like, you think about the process. Again, I used to do this, <laughs> you know, so I can speak to this. It's like, guys, like you gotta, you gotta rip your DVD. You gotta find your clip. You gotta like, edit it into your conversation somewhere like you know and that doesn't sound like a lot of work but to your point we're we're cranking out lots of podcasts every month you know we got to keep this thing going <laughs> and so any any time any way you can kind of shave down things to make things more efficient especially and that's what i've learned especially if it's not make or break like you just you gotta you gotta take the the, the most efficient course of action thank you so yeah so that's kind of where i land on that and that's and but that's why we talk with specificity about the episode so hopefully we're painting a picture and then i feel i mean i don't and I don't say this to be flip, but it's like, you know, for those who are like really craving that, I mean, p- pull up the episode on, on another screen or something like that. If, you know, you really kind of want to see, watch along as we're, I mean, h- however you do it. But in any event, that's, well, that's they why they said it themselves an hour and a half time, about a 30 minute show. Well, then well, that's the detail you go into can, can walk you through it start to finish. So when I, I first, I, I, I connect with those comments a lot. So, so I, I, hundred percent concur with you and your decision making, Anthony. So. As the, as I was first reading that first comment, I thought it was going to be a complaint about the length of our episodes, but it wasn't. It was, it, which, so that's fine. So it's like I guess I can't believe these guys talk for an hour and a half about this. <laughs> the show's twenty five minutes. Huh? They talk about over an hour about how this. much could you possibly say? <laughs> uh, if you cut out the engaging and fisticuffs, we'd be down at least five minutes every episode. Well, I don't care what TV shows they watched in two thousand five. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I do want to say that really we've I've I've heard from a bunch of folks, both publicly and privately, who have been very appreciative of the show that we're doing and uh just kind of this and actually Lou in particular, who's gonna be on here for Crime Wave uh, not too long from now, you know, he kind of talked about how what what we're doing and we have a mix of guests, right? We do have some people who are, are older and have watched it as kids, and then people kind of in our group who are, are newer to it. But it's like I do hope that we are kind of to whatever extent, like kind of bridging a gap, maybe making people think about the show again in some way. And so I'm happy to do that. And I, I appreciate the, all the kind words. All right, enough of that. Uh, fedora rating. So out of five fedoras, how many would you give the human bomb? And, you know, feel free to explain your thought process. I mean, clearly using Talkville rules, nothing will ever be as high as Superman on Earth, I guess. And then- the You're other- trying to tell me Superman on Earth. <laughs> You're trying to tell me Rosetta is as good as the pilot? Yes. Yes, I am. This is getting inside baseball. It's one thing when we refer to Smallville. Now we're referring to like a Smallville podcast. I feel like, what are you guys talking about? The guys on Talkville have a very specific 
way of rating their episodes. And for Tom Welling, it's always, the test is always, and I'll pose this to you, Zach, if someone had never seen Adventures of Superman, would you give them, that? would this be a good representation? I think it would. I think it would. The, the entire main cast is there. Uh, it revolves around the Daily Planet, which is a key, uh, Just it's the key location for this show, these characters. Everybody has something to do, even Perry. But Perry doesn't have much to do, but he's at least engaged in what's going on. He's there. They, they use his tape recorder, you know. Uh, so, yeah, this is I think this is very representative. Although, you know, like we, we commented on like the pacing and things like that. Uh, but I think for uh, the flavor of the show is totally here. And yeah, this is a great representation. And, and I would feel good about showing uh, someone this is if they had never seen the show before. Right on. So how many fedoras so, will you give it? Yeah. Fedora. I think I think I must have given Superman on Earth four fedoras, um, and I can't give anything higher than the pilot. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give this four fedoras as well. I think it's extremely enjoyable. Uh, it loses one fedora for just the the completely uh, over the top reaction by Jimmy in the last like five minutes of the episode. Like I got to take matters into my own hands. And as we discussed, there was no escalation where he. Like logically, I feel like should have felt the need to do that. Uh, they could have got there different ways, but I just, again, just watching this just reminds me how much I love George Reeves as Superman and Clark, and uh, just a very enjoyable episode. And Lois had some good stuff too. Got to slap him, yeah, at the end. Slap the like I've got a bum for you. Slap them in the face. So great stuff here. Four out of five fedoras for me. I'm gonna go four as well. I, I was I was torn between three and a half and four. And uh, I guess with three kind of being our heater, no, I don't say that. Uh, but yeah, I was torn between three and a half and four. But yeah, I'm going to go four for all the reasons you said. And it, this was just so fun. And there are things that to me are so funny. And I know in virtually every instance, they weren't intended to be. But I, I still, they just, they just make me so, they just make me ha- happy and, and laugh and all yes. that. So uh, yeah, this was just a fun one, just a memorable one and, and just some great bits. And I guess it loses the, the one for me just from these, these leaps, these, you know, these big stretches, Jim in particular, um, and just a couple of other pieces that it's like, eh, okay, this is a little bit of a stretch, but overall a ton of fun. Charming. Yeah. It's the word I always use for this show. How's the human bomb? That was a fun one and fun to discuss as always. So we've referenced your podcast a bunch of times, but always hold on to Smallville. Where would you like to direct folks? Yeah, the best place to find us is uh, always Smallville with one S on Twitter or always on the Smallville on Facebook. And uh, we are going through the young Superman show that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. And uh, we are, as of this recording, in between season eight and nine. And uh, if you want to hear us, Continue on through season nine, listeners. You want to go to patreon.com slash always Marvel with one S. And uh, right now we're coming back for season nine and 10, no matter what. But uh, it's it, it's uh, crazy to think I've been doing this two th- 2016 to 2023, which is seven years. And I've gotten through eight seasons. <laughs> it's a lot. No, I mean, I think you're, you're keeping up a good pace. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to get through. And you got to make sure you take those breaks and you stay fresh. You have to. You have to. Uh, like, and I've, I've done other things in the meantime, you know, I've, you know, I've had always on Superman Lois show doing with my wife. It's great to do that. A very different vibe, uh, for that show, but that's the whole point of it. We have a lot of fun doing that. Uh, you know, Superman specials do all kinds of stuff in between. So, so I take breaks and I also do other things in between on the, on the, always on the small wheel. So there is, I, it's, you go back, you listen to these early episodes I do and it's like, well, 
have this thing wrapped up around 2020 or so. Like I'm starting 2016. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I can get two or three done in a year. You know, but no, you can't do that. You gotta, you, you can't just plow through, you know, you, that would, especially when there's 217, 218 episodes of a show. So anyway, if, if you were looking for more Superman content and you're like, Hey, I know Smallville. I watched TV shows in the early 2000s. Like these guys talked about for like 20 minutes on, on this podcast. You're looking for some people to talk about Smallville. Check us out over there. Anthony has been a guest many times and, We'll be back in the future as well. Yeah, I really I encourage everyone to 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 check out that and, and all of your shows. And uh, thank you very much for taking the time to do this. This was a lot of fun. It was great to have you for the beginning of the season, and now we're pretty close to the end. So thanks for coming back. Absolutely, and you know to reiterate uh, the positive feedback you've been getting about this show, it's it's a great uh, revisitation of of a show that it, you know because it's not available uh, readily. I mean, there, you, you can find it right, but like it's it's kind of fallen out of a lot of public consciousness. And this is a great way to revisit it and and, and delight for, uh, for 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 me who who has all of the episodes, but there's a lot I haven't watched. I'm really looking forward to to when you guys get a little further in the in the show. I'll I'll watch a lot of Superman content that I've never seen before. Right on. Well, thank you, Zach. Thank you, audience. Always appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you come back in two weeks. Uh, Rich Roney will be back for his third appearance of the season, and we'll be doing Czar of the Underworld. Uh, that's a fun one. I think we're going to have a really good time with that, so make sure you come back for that. Adventures await. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.